Shalom, and welcome to Jewish Meditation for Everyone, offered by the Institute for Jewish Spirituality. I'm Mark Margolius, Vice President of Faculty and Program at IJS, and this meditation is a previously recorded audio version of one of our ongoing daily meditations. We offer these meditations live every weekday, Monday through Fridays, from 12.30 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. They're also available on demand anytime at the IJS YouTube channel. This session is led by Rabbi Sam Feinsmith of the IJS core faculty and was offered on the IJS Daily Sit of Monday, September 11th, 2023. It's the first in a series of four sessions by Rabbi Feinsmith on the theme of Teshuvah, Overcoming the Trance of Unworthiness. This first session is a meditation on noticing the voice of our harsh inner critic and meeting it by looking for the good we have done in our lives. We hope you enjoy the practice. The name of our uh, journey into practice this week is Teshuva, Overcoming the Trance of Unworthiness. And I want to begin just by acknowledging that Teshuva, the practice, the time-honored Jewish practice of turning or returning to the divine to the noble path we had intended to walk to a way of being that's aligned with our essential nature as loving compassionate wise beings this practice at its core is a hopeful practice it presumes that with intention and conscious repeated effort over time we can change deeply entrenched habits that cause us and others harm and grow into the people we hope to become and show up in our lives in the ways that we hope to show up. And yet at the same time, because of all sorts of factors and conditions, we may also finding ourselves find ourselves during this season of Teshuva falling into what Tara Brach, a contemporary uh, Buddhist um, teacher and psychologist calls the trance of unworthiness, the trance of unworthiness. And so I wanna define what, what we mean by that. And I'll ask our friend Jet, who is working magic behind the scenes here to share uh, both in the chat and on the screen here, today's source sheet so that we can understand a little bit about what we mean by the trance of unworthiness. Thanks, Chet. So um, in her book, which came out a couple of years ago, which I just so love, uh, Tara Brock um, talks about um, how deep inside of us, you know, we have this gold, this beautiful radiance of our true essential nature. But as children, many of us are criticized, ignored, misunderstood, or abused, leading us to doubt the gold within us. And as we grow up, we increasingly internalize the judgments and values of our society, further losing touch with our innocence, our creativity, and our tender hearts. We cover over the gold as we seek the approval of others, looking to them to measure our worth, to determine whether we are good enough, smart enough, successful enough. And if we are part of a non-dominant group in our culture, a group that's been oppressed or marginalized, 
we take on additional layers of protection to help us face the violence of social injustice and oppression. So she's su suggesting here that both um, because of our uh, familial environment and also because of the ambient culture in which we were all reared and which has exerted its forces upon us, right, we come to believe in our own deficiency and smallness and our own unworthiness. And that can be even more the case if we're a member of a non-dominant group. Um, <clears throat> and uh, certainly it's also true in many ways for those of us who are heirs to intergenerational trauma, which is true for many Jews in this country, both Ashkenazi and Sephardi and Mizrahi. Um, and uh, also if we have fallen prey to internalized anti-Semitism. Um, there's a, um, an organization called healingjewishtrauma.com and they did a kind of map of all of the different ways that internalized anti-Semitism ex expresses itself in us, right? psychologically and behaviorally. And two of the prominent ways in which that kind of internalized anti-Semitism might express itself through us is through a tendency to perfectionism and also self-hatred or self-loathing. We imagine that, you know, if we could only be perfect, we would earn the love and admiration and acceptance of the larger society in which we live and give the Jewish people a good name. And um, because we've been subject to oppression and marginalization and the growing uptick in anti-Semitism, right? We might internalize the hatred of others and turn it on ourselves, imagining ourselves to somehow be unworthy of love, of care, of compassion. And um, specifically during a time when we might uh, be invited uh, to reflect upon the ways in which we may have done harm over the course of the past year, which is of course one part of the work of Teshuva during this season, we may also fall into cycles of uh, <clears throat> guilt and shame. And uh, Tubton Chadron, a contemporary uh, Western Buddhist teacher, speaks to this in talking about how these feelings and thoughts that surround guilt and shame right, for our misdeeds, for our missteps, for the harm we may have caused, they can become like a merry-go-round that we get stuck on and go round and round, where the guilty memories and thoughts of I'm no good just build up momentum and keep these negative thoughts and feelings going in our daily lives. And this can get to a point where the cycle feeds on itself and uh, the cycle of hurt and pain continues on and on. So um, what makes this a trance, right? What makes this a trance? And Jed, I'll ask you to pause the screen share for a second. Well, first and foremost, it tends to operate on us unconsciously without our conscious consent or awareness. And secondly, we don't seem to be able to extricate ourselves from this vicious cycle. Instead of noticing these kinds of self-critical thoughts, like I'm no good, or I'll never get it right, or I'm not worthy, or I'll never be able to change, 
we just simp simply take them to be the truth of who we are rather than questioning or examining these mental habits. And this tendency can spill over into our practice of teshuva in a very powerful way. As I said before, at its core, teshuva is a hopeful act. It assumes that with intention and conscious repeated effort over time, we can change deeply entrenched habits that cause us and others harm. But we might undertake the work of teshuva with a sense that we somehow need to become a better, purer version of ourselves instead of moving toward discovering our innate wholeness and freedom and then addressing what needs attention from that place. Elul can be a time when we berate ourselves as such into despair. When we berate ourselves into despair. And there are ways in which the work and the liturgy of this season can reinforce the myth of our unworthiness. For example, the practice of cheshbon hanefesh, making a soul accounting, an inventory of the things that we may have done that were harmful or that need attention or repair or rectification or healing can easily cause us to focus or over-focus, I should say, on our faults, errors, missteps, and misdeeds and ignore completely the wonderful and kind and altruistic and holy things that we've done. The liturgy of Yom Kippur and of the Slichot period in which we're in right now includes the vidui, the confession. And as we confess and beat our chests, we can become overly fixated upon the ways in which we've missed the mark. And the Slichot service, which many Ashkenazi Jews will be reciting this week and Sephardic Jews have been reciting already since the beginning of the month of Elul, includes very self-effacing language. For example, a verse from Ezra, chapter 9, verse 6. Oh my God, I am too ashamed and mortified to lift my face to you, for my iniquities are overwhelming and my guilt has grown as high as heaven. It's true, we need to attend to what needs to be repaired, healed, and rectified. We need to make amends for any harm we've done, and now is the time to do it. But when we do so under the enchantment of the trance of unworthiness, we run the risk of completely falling into despair, believing that we can never change our habits of heart, mind, speech, and action, that will always be the same, that will always be stuck in the mud. And so we turn this week to a teaching from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, one of the great Hasidic teachers and the great grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, who offers us a concrete technique for awakening from the trance of unworthiness. And we'll be working with this technique throughout the week. Jed, if you would scroll down for a second, we'll turn to the English and those of you who want to follow along in the Hebrew can certainly do. He says, we must find some good within ourselves. We must find some good within ourselves. It's known that we must take care to be happy and to keep very far away from depression. It may be that when we begin examining ourselves, we see that we possess no good whatsoever and are filled with sin. And that as a result, the Yetzar Hara, right, the evil, evil inclination, which tries to fool us right, into believing that somehow we're small and deficient wants to push us into depression and sadness, God forbid. Even so, it is forbidden to fall on account of this. Rather, we must search until we find in ourselves some little bit of good. For how is it possible that throughout our life, we never once did some mitzvah or good deed? 
And even if and when we be begin to examine this good thing, we see that it too is filled with flaws and contains no purity. For example, we see that the mitzvah or holy deed that we merited to do is itself full of impure motives, distorted thoughts, and numerous faults. Nevertheless, how is it possible that this mitzvah or holy deed contains not even a little bit of good? For in any case, despite this, there must have been some good point in the mitzvah or good deed that we did. Thus, we must search and seek to find in ourselves some little bit of good in order to revive ourselves and to attain joy as explained above. By searching until we find a remaining little bit of good in ourselves, we genuinely move from the scale of guilt to the scale of merit and can return to God in Teshuvah. Thanks, Jet. We can take the screen share down now. And what I want to invite us to do is not just to read about this practice, but to actually do it, actually do it. And as we do so, to be aware of the trance of unworthiness, if it sets in habitually, reflexively. But I want to invite you to adopt a meditative posture that feels both relaxed and alert. One that will allow you to remain relatively still. And I want to invite you to begin just by taking a couple of deep breaths. On the in-breath, you might imagine gathering your attention in from the four corners of the earth. And on the out-breath, you can simply let go of any tension, tightness, worry, anxiety. For these next 10 minutes or so, it's okay to let go. The world won't fall apart. Just because you're taking this time for yourself. And before we turn to Rabbi Nachman's practice, I just want to invite you to notice if you bring an image to, your, to mind of yourself sitting here now, what's the general attitude you hold in relation to yourself? Is it loving or critical? What kinds of thoughts reflexively arise when you bring this image of yourself sitting here meditating to mind? Are they loving thoughts? Or are they critical, biting thoughts? There's no right or wrong here, only what's true for you. And then when you're ready, you can begin to actually recall kind, altruistic, holy acts that you've done any time in your life, yesterday, today, a year ago, 10 years ago. 
we're not looking for the most altruistic thing you've ever done, the holiest act you've ever done. Small acts of kindness, small holy acts, giving someone a hug, taking a meal over when they were sick or suffering, holding the door for someone, studying some Torah, praying, meditating. Begin with one act and just notice uh, as you call it to mind and saturate your consciousness in this memory, what arises in body, heart, and mind? How does it feel? What does it elicit in you? Let's bring curious, loving, non-judgmental attention to whatever you notice, to whatever arises. And then when you're ready, you can move on to another memory. Again, observing what arises. And so on. Even as you're bringing these memories to mind, saturating your consciousness in the good that you've done, sometimes it may be the case that a self-critical thought arises. Yeah, that was kind, but could have done better. Or yeah, that was that was a good thing to do, but you're only doing it so that person would like you. Or some such other self-critical thought. If that happens, can you just notice and observe the thought moving through your system, making its way through your mind, and then allow it to pass We keep the front door open and the back door open. We don't have to believe the story. You can just notice, oh, this is a conditioned part of me, but it's not who I truly am. And then come back and continue to call memories of kind, holy acts that you've done to mind.
for the last minute or so of this meditation practice, just consider lightly, without trying to figure out an answer, but just observing what arises spontaneously. Which feels more aligned with your true nature, who you really are? This biting, self-critical, self-effacing, derogatory voice. or this altruistic, loving, compassionate, and connected part of your being. Which is essential and which is adjunct or secondary? You can continue to sit with that question as we listen to the sound of the shofar calling us back to our true nature, to our essential goodness. And notice what you notice, feel what you feel. Friends, we hope you found today's practice meaningful and supportive. If you like this series, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and please give us a five-star review. Also, check out jewishspirituality.org, where you can explore IJS's other free resources, courses, and programs to develop and deepen your Jewish mindfulness practice wherever you are on your journey. Please join us again soon. Thanks and blessings to you from all of us at the Institute for Jewish Spirituality.